we ask that you'll bless the kids, the young people, and the teachers as they study your word. We pray that you'll bless this word to us, Lord, and that we might be able to take it in, to digest it, and to use it in our lives. We know that your, your word never returns to you empty, so Lord, we pray that it will indeed bear fruit. And we'll give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, uh, when I was putting this message together, I, I don't know why, I was struggling. And, uh, and I can't even tell you why I was struggling. But when I broke through on the message, it flowed like a river. And I want you to know that the mess- most of the messages I give, if not all the messages I give, I direct toward myself, okay, because I can use them. So I'm going to share this one with you. This is a message for me, and I'm going to share it with you. How's that sound? It was interesting because uh, when I uh, finished the message yesterday afternoon, I went to a birthday party of some folks that I had gone to church with for 20 years before uh, I started here. And so I was able to visit with some Christian people that I had not only gone to church with for 20 years, but had not seen for 20 years, which is really hard for a guy that's 39. It just doesn't add up. But it was nice to see these folks. You know, listen, folks, I'm telling you this. The Christian walk, the Christian life is a brotherhood and a sisterhood, okay? And we are going to be with each other for eternity. So uh, I want you to think about that as, as I share this message with you. Andre Crouch, I don't know if you uh, are familiar with that name, but he's one of the, one of the most uh, gifted musicians. And uh, he is also a pastor now down in uh, the Southern California area. Just an incredible songwriter. He wrote this song many years ago, and it says, I don't know why Jesus loved me. I don't know why he cared. I don't know why he sacrificed his life. Oh, but I'm glad. I'm glad he did. You know, I'm going to read out of Hebrews 12 uh, to you. You're welcome to turn there. We're going to go to a, a few different verses today. Here's what it says in Hebrews 12, starting at verse 2. Now, listen carefully to this. The writer here says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus. Let's be occupied with him. Let's investigate him. Let's give him a good look over. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus and study him, the author and perfecter of our faith. Who? Now this is the the verse that just got me who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus Christ, who for the joy that was set before him. First of all, what was that joy? What kind of joy could you have knowing 
you're going to be mistreated, humiliated, you're going to be physically abused, mentally abused, you're going to be tried several different times and found guilty when you're in fact innocent, your friends are going to leave you, and you're going to be killed in probably the worst way a person can be killed. What could the joy be that Jesus had in front of him? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer that question by going to John chapter 15, okay? John chapter 15, you're welcome to turn there with me, or you're just welcome to, to listen. Listen to what John 15, starting at verse 9, says. This is Jesus speaking, okay? He's talking to his disciples. He says this, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. I want to stop right there for just a minute. Think about this for a minute. How much do you figure God the Father loves his Son, Jesus Christ? What kind of measuring stick would you use to measure that? Infinitely. Incalculable. There's, there's no math that can, that can go that high. He says this, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. How much does Jesus Christ love you? He loves you according to the same measure that God loves him. God loves him infinitely. God would do anything for his son. Jesus Christ loves us infinitely. He would do anything for us. He goes on. He says, now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be complete in you, and that your joy may be complete. So then, another formula we have to access here is, how joyous was Jesus? It says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He says this, I have told you this, so that my joy, Jesus Christ had perfect joy, is something that we have a hard time understanding, okay? Perfect joy. He says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Now, he simplifies things down to one command. In verse 10, he says, if you obey my commands, plural, now he says, my command, singular, is this. You ready? Love each other as I have loved you. Now, does anybody not understand what he's saying? Okay? Is that simple enough for us to understand? I want you to love each other as I have loved you. Wait a minute, hold on here. Okay, so Jesus has loved us as much as the Father has loved him. And he wants us 
to use that same measure and accountability of love to love each other. How much love is that? That's a lot of love. And it's unconditional love. That's the thing about it, is God loves us unconditionally. He says this, I no longer call you servants. Let me, let me back up. Let me back up. Sorry. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. You know, it's one thing, and I, and I think about this, it's one thing to be called a servant of God, right? It's one thing to be called in the family of God. We are, the Bible says that we are in God's family. We are his servant. But it's a total another thing to be called the friend of God. That's very intimate, my friends. Very intimate. I want to be called a friend of God, don't you? I want God to consider me his friend. And he goes on, he says... I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know what his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. Not only did he choose us, he says he appointed us. I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. You're a fruit tree, okay? Some of you are a little fruitier than others. I'm going to tell you that right now. And you're talking to the head fruit up here. Okay? He says this. He says, then, go bear fruit, right? Fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. Wow. You know, John the Baptist in John... In the book of John, chapter 3, he says, he was talking about his joy. And his joy was this. He made the statement, he must become greater and I must become less. Jesus must become greater in us and we must become less. I'm going to give you a perfect example in the book of Acts of the joy that was set before Jesus in Um, Hebrews chapter 12 it's in Acts chapter 16 and I'm going to start at verse 22 listen to this it's great this is a real life story Acts 16 22 the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten after they, were, after they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he, that would be the jailer, put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. Now, why did they get thrown into prison in the first place? Well, uh, you know, they had made some trouble where they went in the sense that they were preaching the gospel and 
people that made idols were losing money and, and it just they were irritated at Paul and Silas. So they were really in prison and being flogged for their testimony about Jesus Christ. They were innocent, if you will, of any, you know, crimes. Now listen to this, verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. Was that a God thing or not? That's awesome, isn't it? The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds then immediately he and his family were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole family. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, scorning the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. This was the joy that Jesus saw when he was going to the cross. He saw this jailer and his family come to the Lord. He saw you and you and you and me come to the Lord. That was the joy that kept Jesus going to the cross, which was a very, very nasty, bad, terrible thing. Luke Chapter 15, 10, you don't have to turn there, says this. There is joy in the presence of God's angels even when one sinner repents. Now, it didn't say one sinner is saved. It said one sinner repents. You know, I don't know about you, but there's times I have to repent, right? Galatians 4.15 is kind of the central verse of what I want you to think about this morning. Here's what it says. Paul says to the Galatians, what has happened to your joy? What has happened to your joy? And as I studied this, you know, I came to the conclusion that there are times when I lose my Christian joy. And I know darn good and well that some of you here can identify with that. There are times when we lose our Christian joy, isn't there? And that's what I want to talk to you about today. You know, the joy of the Lord is our strength, it says in Nehemiah. It says, this day is sacred to our Lord. Do not grieve. 
for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, what happens when you lose the joy of the Lord? According to logic, you would be losing your strength, would you not? If, if the joy of the Lord is your strength and you lose your joy, you're losing your strength. And that's not what we want to do. We don't want to lose our strength. You know, the joy we have in Jesus cannot be or should not be extinguished by circumstances in life. Our joy should remain constant. Let me read. uh, I'm not going to ask you to turn to this because by the time you find it, uh, we'll be having lunch. Uh, It's Habakkuk, okay, chapter 3, and I'm going to read it to you. It's on page 861 if you want to know that, okay, Just, just so you know. All right. Chapter 3, verse 17. Listen to what this says. This is Habakkuk, and he is expressing a thought here that I think all of us can kind of identify with. He says this, Though the fig tree does not bud. Okay, that's not a good thing, right? He says, And there are no grapes on the vines. Not good. Though the olive crop fails... And the fields produce no food. Though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. Everything could be going wrong. And Habakkuk says, I'm going to rejoice in God my Savior. And that's the attitude we need to have, my folks, because everything's not always going to go right, is it? It's just not. I'm going to give you some ways that I came up with to lose your Christian joy. It's really funny. I was, I did this message uh, yesterday, and then at 5 o'clock I was supposed to be at this birthday party. So at 4.30 I left because the birthday party was in Center Point. And I'm driving along and everything. I'm thinking about this study. And I'm thinking about this message, right? And I said, Lord, that's me. That's me. This message is for me. I'm losing my Christian joy. I've lost my Christian joy at certain times. So I'm going to tell you how to do it, okay? Here we go. I'm going to give you ten ways. Don't pray. Okay? Don't pray. Now, I pray every morning. This thing's driving me nuts, by the way, and it's a short drive. Very short drive. Don't pray. You know, I try to pray every morning. I try, I I get up, I go to the coffee cup, fill it up with some creamer, put a little coffee in it. Put it in the microwave for a buck twenty-two, and then I sit down on my couch and I pray. Some mornings I will do something else before I do that. All right, I will go up to the computer or I'll have a call or whatever, and I find that those times that I don't pray first, the day doesn't go quite as well. It just doesn't. Sorry, I haven't set my mind right. I haven't set the tone for the day. I haven't talked to my father who wants to talk to me. So the first thing is, don't pray. 
you will be guaranteed to lose your joy that way. Second thing is this. Have an unthankful spirit. Don't count your blessings. Listen to me. I probably get, honestly, I probably get 50 phone calls a week of people that have had or are having some type of an issue, some type of a problem. Some, and, and, and some of them, believe it or not, the people are suicidal. They were think, they're thinking, you know, I don't know if it's worth going on about, etc. Um, and, you know, a lot of times I will tell people, listen, here's what I want you to do. And I'm telling you this this morning, okay? I want you to make a spreadsheet, okay? And on one side of the spreadsheet, I want you to, to list all of the bad things that are happening in your life. And on the other side of the spreadsheet, I want you to list all the blessings that you got in your life, okay? Do that sometime, especially when you're feeling down. I will guarantee you that the blessing side will totally outweigh the other side. You'll have a short list on the, oh, I just this and that and this and that. And all of a sudden you go to the blessing side. You go, oh, wait a minute, that's another blessing. Oh, wait a minute, there's another blessing. Have an unthankful spirit. Point number three. Go ahead and worry and be anxious. Okay? Go ahead. Worry and anxiety is the exact opposite of faith. Because in faith, we're told not to worry. We're told not to be anxious. And if you don't believe me, go to your concordance and list worry and anxiety in your Bible. And there's plenty of scriptures that will tell you don't do it. The fourth thing is judge others. Yeah. You want to lose some joy? Go ahead and judge others. Compare yourself to others. Oh, that's good. I don't like the tone of his voice. You know, she just makes a spectacle out of herself with that, those clothes she wears. The pastor, you'd think he'd wear a suit and tie. It's church. He's very disrespectful of the Lord. <laughs> the only time you're going to see me wear a suit and tie, maybe at a funeral? I don't know. The dead person doesn't even. No, no, never mind. Never mind. Anyway, point number five entertain some type of impure thought. Now, I'm not talking necessarily about sexual impurity. I'm just talking about impure thoughts. Gossiping, judging, backbiting, uh, uh, anger. Something like that. Because you know what? When you entertain those thoughts, you'll lose your joy. I guarantee it. Don't resolve conflict. Oh, yeah. You know, the Bible says don't let the sun go down in your wrath. There's a reason for that. Resolve, if you've got a conflict with somebody, you know, if somebody has a conflict with me, I would much rather them come up to me and call me some bitch <laughs> or something nasty than to go to my brother or my sister and say, oh, that's Steve, I'll tell you. Mm, he pisses me off. <laughs> We're not recording this, are we? But my microphone's hanging to... Okay. We'll fix this. 
Can you still hear me? Good. Okay, so if you want to lose your joy, stop praying. Have an unthankful spirit. Worry or be anxious. Judge others. Entertain impure thoughts of some kind. Don't resolve your conflict and continue with relationship failures. The eighth thing is go ahead and neglect priorities. You'll lose your joy for sure. The ninth thing, which I think was kind of interesting, is don't volunteer in any kind of ministerial capacity. Don't do it. I'll tell you. You know, it's funny. Because we have, in a crowd like this, we have a certain amount of people that volunteer for certain things. All right? And it, it reminds me of when uh, Moses was out in the wilderness with the children of Israel, and they were giving him a hard time. There was no water. And all of a sudden, Moses became a water boy. Where is our water, Moses? You brought us out here to kill us, and we should have stayed in Egypt. We had watermelon. We had leeks. Whatever leeks are. And God, he, Moses goes to God, and he says, Lord, what am I going to do with these people? They are about ready to stone me. You know what God told him? He says, get out in front of them. Yeah, if you want to be stoned, get out in front somewhere, make yourself known, volunteer somewhere, and somebody will find something to complain about you. And guess what? The person that's complaining will lose their joy. <laughs> you can't fool me. Don't volunteer in ministry. The last thing. Be discontented with your life. Be discontented with your life. You know, wouldn't it be nice to win the lottery? Wouldn't that be awesome? Think of all the stuff you could do and all the, all the cares and worries that you would lose, but then you'd take on more cares and worries. Then you have to buy guns and a gun safe to protect your lottery earnings. You'd have to, you'd have to enroll in LifeLock because, because somebody for sure would get your identity. And, and all of a sudden now you've got more worries because you, lost the lot, because you won the lottery than when you didn't win the lottery, Right? Can we ever be happy? Can we ever be satisfied? You know, listen. Let me give you some good news. We live in the United States of America. Okay? The best, most powerful country on the face of the earth. We still have our freedom. We're still sending out missionaries to other parts of the world. They're not sending them to us yet. That's next. If you've asked Jesus Christ in your heart and you've been born again and you know the Lord, you are going to heaven. Now, it may take 20 years or 30 years or 40 years or two days. You know, what is your life? It's, it's, it's a vapor. We don't know when we're going to end this life. But you know what? We're going to heaven. We should be happy about that. Another thing is this, and, and I'll tell you this, 
We have people here, okay, that care about other people. They care about other people. And we need to be happy that I'll have somebody come up and say to me, listen, I want to let you know I'm praying for you every day. And I'm going, I need that. I need that bad. We need each other. You know, Jesus focused very carefully. He enjoyed obeying his father. Why? Well, it says he saw the joy that was before him. What was the joy? Number one, the joy was you and me. And all of the people that would become into the family of God, literally millions and millions and millions of people over time would, would join the family of God because of what Jesus Christ did. Now, I couldn't have done that. I couldn't have looked past the cross and to the joy. I, I don't have that kind of integrity or power or whatever you want to call it, but he did. It said he despised the shame. Let me, let me give you a little rundown of the shame, okay? Listen to this. This is uh, taken from your scriptures, a lot of it taken from Luke. He says, first of all, he faced excuses from people who didn't want to follow him. Oh, I got to go bury my father. Got to go say goodbye to so-and-so. Oh, I, I got a field to go plow, but I would, but. So he faced excuses from people who didn't want to follow him. Two, he was accused of demonic possession. God come in the flesh was accused of demonic possession. Three, the Pharisees rejected him. The Gentiles rejected him. Herod sent him a message he wanted to kill him. His friend Judas betrayed him and sold him for 30 pieces of silver, the price of a slave. Peter denied him three times. The government persecuted him. God the Father forsook him on the cross for three hours. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God could not look on the son that he loved infinitely because he was taking your and my sins away from us. Wow. Look unto Jesus. Consider Jesus. Study Jesus. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. He despised or scorned the shame of going to the cross. And it says he sits down at the right hand of the glory of the Father. Do you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that someday you and I are going to be sitting with Jesus Christ at the right hand of God the Father. Wow. We have no idea what that's going to be like, my friends. We just don't know. We're, we're so concerned with the details of life, the stuff around us, that we don't envision heaven. And in a way, we can't. We just know that your eyes have not seen, your ears have not heard, neither has it entered into your hearts the things that God has prepared for those who love him. Wow. That's amazing. Well... That's my story, okay? You know, the last thing I want to do, honestly, is to lose my joy. And I've listed some things for you today that would cause you to lose your joy. 
Now maybe, you know, some of you seem to be real joyous. But I know that when we come to church, a lot of times we put on a smile on our face, don't we? Put on a smile. How you doing? Fine. How you really doing? Fine. Really? No. (laughs) Fortunately, God knows how we're doing, huh? And we can do fine in Him. I don't want my joy to be lost. I, I don't want your joy to be lost. And it's real easy to do when you get hooked up in one of those 10 points or more than one of those 10 points that we went over today. If you identified with any of those points that I gave you today, any of those 10 points, I'll, I'll, I'll be glad to give you the 10 points again if you want. Fix it. Okay, fix it. Fix whatever is causing your joy to be going out the window. Fix it and you know your joy will come back. What do you think? Good news? Good, good advice? Okay, let's pray. Pray with me. Dear Father in heaven, please forgive me for my sins. Please cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Thank you for dying for my sins and saving my soul and promising me heaven. Help me to be joyous in you and to love you and to love each other. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's sing a song, okay?